Shedavaha Akharja and welcome to Leitrim Daily. I'm your host Orla McNabola and you are listening to episode number 83 of our podcast. Today is Sunday, that means it's Kiss My Arts. Hope you all got out and about in the fabulous sunshine we had this week. I was only delighted to spend one of my sunny afternoons this week in the beautiful Dawkey of South County Dublin with this week's guest. Just beforehand though, don't forget about Leitrim Daily Live's final preview happening at the Glens Centre in Manor Hamilton on the 8th of October. Tickets are €10 Euro and all proceeds are going to stop northwest. Get your tickets on theglenscentre.com. It'll be a great night. I had the pleasure of calling into the home of author Ken Boyle and his recent and first ever non-fictional book, The Murder of Dr Muldoon, goes something like this. A priest and his housekeeper abandon a baby girl on a street in Dublin's north inner city in February 1923. The two are noticed, they're handed over to the police, charged and sent for trial. A month later, a young doctor is shot dead on the streets of Mohill County Leitrim. The two incidents are connected. But how? Ken explores that in his book, The Murder of Dr Muldoon. It's a fascinating true tale. I sat down with him this week over a cup of tea to hear all about it. Ken, a very interesting tale. What was your relation to Dr Muldoon? My great-grandmother was Bridget Muldoon and she was an aunt to Dr Muldoon, Paddy Muldoon. So Ken, your father was a Leitrim man. He was from Eden Tinney between Fina and Balnamore. And you have been coming back to Leitrim ever since your childhood. What kind of connection do you now have to the county? Having visited Leitrim on many occasions since my mid-teens, it's like a second home. I have a very strong connection with it. I mean, I just love the area. I love the people. And I often feel when I'm driving down from Dublin, I think it's the M4, and just get beyond Newtown Forbes and I'm just coming out of Longford into Leitrim. And I see the sign up saying, welcome to Leitrim. And, you know, I just say, yeah, I'm home. Um, well, some of my favourite places are the mountains and hills just up above Knocknacullion and Tullywana. And then the canals, the lakes and well, the countryside around uh, Mohul and Balnamore and Fina. I find very attractive. My family are buried within the walls of Fina Abbey. I have very, very strong connections to Leitrim. It's been very good to me in the sense of what I've got back from it. People in the area have kept documents and family items for me. Most recently, when I was at the launch in Ballinamore, Raymond McHugh, a neighbour of my uncle John's, in Eden Tenney, he presented me with a US Army World War One service medal that my granduncle had won. Raymond had found it in the derelict boil house and it kept it for us for years. Previous to that, a few years ago, Sean Flynn of our drum, who unfortunately is now deceased, had kept a number of very, very old letters for me. Also, that came out of the derelict boil house at the end of Tully Lane in Eden Tenney. So I just find Leitrim an ongoing source of pleasure and delight, really. Ken, take me back to that night in Dublin in 1923. It was um, late in the evening, I think it was about February 13th. The young housekeeper had given birth to her child, which she named Rose Brown, on the 30th of January, so just two weeks earlier. And the priest, Father Edward Rines, curate of Ahavas, who had sent her up to Dublin for the last months of her pregnancy, had come up to Dublin to carry out the remainder of his plan, which was to have the baby given into care. They went to Dominic Street Church to do that, but there were devotions on when they got there. 
so they were obliged to kill some time and they walked around the streets. The uh, young housekeeper, Mary Kay Cologley, must have been very distraught because three local women and who were more or less standing outside their doors of tenement houses in Dominic Street, they took an interest in the couple. The priest wasn't dressed in clerical garb, but he was about twice the age of the young girl who was carrying the baby. So she must have been distraught. She must, she, you know, she must have been very upset. They followed them. And the net result was that after following them for a while and actually even speaking to the priest and giving them when he asked directions to a certain place, they managed to still follow them and kept out of sight. And finally, the young mother placed the baby down on the doorsteps of a house opposite what's called the, the black church in dublin and the priest apparently put a parcel down beside the baby which was found to contain baby clothes later father ryan's later described the housekeeper young mary Kay logley in a letter to sean mccone as being hysterical at the time as they walked away the three women intervened and shouted at them and called them to come back and one of the women picked up the young child and the women's shouts brought some men who were actually leaving the devotions in uh, Dominic Street Church. They came as well and they more or less surrounded the couple, the priest and the young housewife and held them there until policemen arrived and arrested them. Arrested them and took them away to the Garda station there in Dublin. Tell me, what is the connection with Edward Father Ryans? Why was he up with his young housekeeper and why were they abandoning a baby on the sides of the street? Um, I'm not sure it was ever the young mother's intention to abandon the baby. Um, I could imagine after being with the baby for 14 days, giving the baby a name that she, you know, that she was had bonded with the baby. It hardly was her intention to abandon the baby. As I said, they were charged at the time. It was the civic guard. The name hadn't changed to, as we now know them, Garda Siakana. As I said earlier, Father Rhines had sent his young pregnant housekeeper up to Dublin for the last few months of her pregnancy. And again, in one of his letters to Sean McKeown, who was a major general in the National Army at the time, he explained that he sent her up to Dublin because Mary Kay Cologley told him that she hadn't told her friends about her situation. And Father Rhines felt he could, to use his own words, he could cloak the matter, he could keep it quiet if he got her out of the Mohill area and managed putting the baby into care in somewhere like Dublin. He also told uh, Sean McKeown that it was his brother, Vincent, who was the uh, father of the child. And he asked McKeown not, not to pass that information on to anybody, even though McKeown was involved in the investigation of the murder of Dr Muldoon at the time. And it would have been the type of information that should have been fed into the investigation. When Father Ryans came up for trial for the child abandonment case, and the case was heard three times because... On no occasion could the jury reach a decision. But Father Ryan's under oath on each occasion said that the father of the child was a friend of the family, not his brother. But I understand that the Gologli family have always been of the belief that he was the father of Mary Kate's child. And in addition to that, the Muldoon family have always maintained the story that Dr Muldoon was requested to carry out a termination directly by Father Ryan's or by some people on his behalf. So that was February 1923 when Father Edward Ryans, a Leitrim priest, was on the streets of Dublin with his young housekeeper, Mary Kate Galogli, a 19-year-old from outside Ahavas. They were charged with abandoning a baby on the side of the street. And we now move forward to a month later, March of 1923, where a young doctor is walking down the streets of Mohill County Leitrim. Paddy Muldoon, or Dr Muldoon, was a regular car player um, with Edward Geelan, who was 
clerk at the council in Mohol at the time, an important job. And one of the people to regularly play cards with was Canon Masterson. And that particular night, they were playing cards in Canon Masterson's house, up beside the church. And Edward Galen and Paddy Muldoon walked away down towards their respective houses after the ending of the car game um, between 10 and 11 o'clock. And when they were parting at the bridge, a gunman produced a rifle and pointed it at Dr. Muldoon. And Dr. Muldoon, either before the first shot or after the first shot, made a movement out onto the road while saying, don't shoot me. And um, his companion, Edward Galen, pointed out, this is Dr. Muldoon. And with that, the gunman fired again. And a second gunman who was positioned down where the old courthouse was at the time, which is not too far, just another 20, 30 yards away, opened fire as well. And one of the shots hit Dr. Muldoon and he collapsed onto the street. And with that, the two gunmen and the third accomplice made off together. Dr. Edward Geelan, who was 70 at the time and not in great health, he had heart issues, he attempted to lift his friend up off the road who at this stage was bleeding heavily but he was unable to do that and he had to go and get help from neighbours and people came to his assistance and Dr Muldoon was carried over to the steps of the courthouse. A priest was sent for and shortly after the priest arrived after giving him glass rites Dr Muldoon died. His body was the priest went ahead to his house Coolvon house on Station Road and broke the dreadful news to his wife Rita. She was there with her three children. She was actually expecting a fourth child at the time and luckily she had some adult company in Margaret Kerr who was the childminder to the three children. Subsequent to that some men with a makeshift stretcher which was in fact a door carried a body into the house and Alwyn Dr. Muldoon's daughter, who was four years old at the time, always remembered her father's body being placed on the ground of his own surgery room in the house. A shocking event to happen on the streets of County Leitrim. It would appear that the event that happened the month before on the streets of Dublin are connected to this murder. Dr. Muldoon had been requested to perform a termination on Mary Kay He would have been aware of who the father of the child was. Also, it appears in the time between the arrest in Dublin for child abandonment and Dr. Muldoon's murder. He had also been approached to certify Mary Kay Cologli into an asylum so as that she couldn't appear for the court case and give information that would be detrimental to Father Edward Ryans and in turn to the church. And so that's exactly what happened. On the morning of the 9th of May 1923, she was arrested in Ahavas and brought to Athlone. Mary Kekalogli was arrested in the very early hours of the morning of May the 9th. Uh, she was due to appear in court later that day in Dublin. She was in fact arrested in the uh, residence of the curate of Clune Parish, which kind of very unusual, bearing in mind the tragedy that had followed her work as a as temporary housekeeper with the curate of Ahavas. She was arrested by two members of the CID in Dublin uh, who had been sent up to take over the investigation of the case from the local civic guard. And they were accompanied by one of General Sean McKeown's 
National Army officers. She was on bail at the time for the, uh, for the child abandonment charge. So basically, there was no outstanding charge. There was no reason to arrest her. But arresting her prevented her from turning up in Dublin that day, prevented her from giving evidence that might have uh, been detrimental to Father Ryan's. We now know from our investigations that she was taken to the ladies' detention camp in Athlone, where General Sean McKeown had his headquarters at the time, the National Army headquarters for Western Command. So, Ken, what was the outcome of that trial then with regards to Father Edward Ryans? Father Ryans actually was tried three times with the child abandonment charge. And on each occasion, the jury couldn't reach a decision. But it kept him in jail for a number of months out of the way and it it allowed the heat really to go off the murder investigation. In the course of the three trials in the Irish Time reports, we learned that from the first trial, the uh, state had decided to withdraw the the charge against Mary Kay Cologley. So she'd no charge at all outstanding against her. But there was no explanation given as to why the state withdrew the charge. In the second trial, we learned that Mary Kay Cologley was now in an asylum and that her infant, who had been named Rose Brown, was dead. The three trials over the summer months from May through to, to August, they kept Father Rhines out of the way. He was, he was in Mount George Jail. He was actually kept there until December. And to a great degree, it took him out of the investigation into the murder charge against Dr Muldoon and the steam more or less ran out of that. And of course Dr Muldoon wasn't the only victim of this story, Ken. The investigation produced quite a number of victims. There was another young priest, Father Edward Dunn, who was a curate in Fina and he was to die within two months of Dr Muldoon by the end of May and it would appear that that he died following heavy drinking which would appear to have been brought about by the fact that he was drawn into the Dr Muldoon Father Ryan's episode and that his behavior and his involvement were being questioned in the general area and it all became it all seems to become too much for him he went on a prolonged drinking session and then shortly afterwards he died as a direct result also we have to bear in mind that Mary Kay Cologley was a victim in all of this and that her poor infant only lived for three months. All of this happened against the background of the Civil War and there were other victims in the same South Leitrim area. The very next day or virtually the next day an off-duty National Army soldier Edward Fitzgerald from Mohill was shot dead in the kitchen of a pub in Balnamook. He was unarmed at the time. In April Michael Reynolds a civilian was shot dead when attackers fired through his front door late at night. They'd been looking to question his son, but the father wouldn't open the door. He was shot dead through the door. The following month, May, an ex-National Army officer, Patrick Cavill, was shot dead in Bornacula. He was taken out again by a gang and shot dead at the side of the road. Again, he was unarmed. And there were one or two other deaths after that, which all bore similar hallmarks to what was occurring which in fact was unarmed people being attacked late at night and resulting in woundings or deaths. All of this was accounted for by the National Army Intelligence people as being 
the work of John Charles Keegan and his gang. And John Charles Keegan was identified as being involved in the shooting of Dr Muldoon by Sean McKeown. A very intriguing set of events there, Ken. Where does the book go from there then? Well, after the airing of Tim Desmond's RTE, Dockham One and Unholy Trinity, which related to these events, we were then very fortunate to obtain the personal papers and diary of Dr Muldoon's widow, Rita Muldoon. And they gave us an incredible insight into what was going on before and immediately after the murder and allowed us then to properly investigate the aftermath and the collusion between church and state to keep it a cloak, as to use Father Ryan's description, over what actually happened to Dr Muldoon. And we also found additional documents from the time which, which allowed us an insight into the IRA investigation into what their men had done and their attempt to publicly exonerate Father Rines, which Rita Muldoon very bravely demolished by writing into the papers in, in response to the IRA publicity statement of the time exonerating Rines. We were just very, very fortunate that in, in many places where we looked, we just found evidence that just managed to, to tread together the whole story of the time. And the thing about Civil War stories is that there was no demand for them after the Civil War because the Civil War was so poisonous and divisive that people didn't write about their experiences because it would only annoy one side or the other. And it's only in recent years that we're now looking back and hopefully now with the centenary coming up in three years' time, there will be more books like this. But for the moment, this book, The Murder of Dr Muldoon, actually serves to rescue some of Leitrim's lost Civil War narrative. Ken, where can people get their hands on a copy of your book? Mulvey's in Carrick and Shannon and the reading room in Carrick and Shannon stock the book and Paul's in Moho will be stocking the book. If you've trouble getting it locally, it can be ordered online from mercerpress.ie or, or easons.ie. There are a few other online book sales platforms that have it and Amazon will have it shortly. They have a Kindle version already. Have you been writing long? Actually, this is my first my first attempt at writing a book. What happened and how it came about was that um, when the, the story was was introduced to the Doc on One team by a friend of mine from Mohol, uh, I was asked to deal with them because I knew more about the story and I had a certain amount of documentation. And I was delighted with the opportunity because I knew that they would, with their resources and experience, that they would be able to, to learn more about it. That proved the case. Very quickly, they found correspondence between Father Rines and Eamon de Valera and Father Rines and Sean McKeown in their respective archives in UCD. And I had a whole network of an extended family in America waiting to hear the full story. And it struck me that it would be easier to write a book than to try and explain to them piecemeal who Eamon de Valera was, who Sean McKeown was and, and all the other names that were appearing like Lamas and Mulcahy and Aiken. So I started researching them myself and I immediately was very fortunate when I got onto the archivist for the Diocese of Ardan Clamac Noise and Father Tom Murray provided me with 41 pages of letters between Father Rines and his then superior Bishop Hoare, which for me was just a fantastic discovery and contemporary information 
to receive because they, they set out all the difficulties Bishop Hoare had in trying to keep Father Ryan's from being so heavily engaged in the Republican movement during the War of Independence and even into the Civil War. And then I just continued to investigate and look for documents and to the military archives which are online and I went to their premises which is in the Cahabrua Barracks in Dublin. I went to the National Archives in Dublin, the National Library in Dublin, the Royal College of Physicians in Dublin, all of these archives and the newspaper archives which are available through your local library. I just searched everywhere and looked everywhere and tried to obtain as many kind of what I call obscure books from the time and from the area. I let people know what I was doing and people came back to me with some fantastic nuggets of information. One that comes to mind is Prin Dignan, who runs Drumland Publications in North Leitrim, obtained for me a, an, an amazing letter written by one of Mary Kay Gologli's fellow prisoners in the ladies' detention camp in Athlone and it gave me an insight into the vulnerability of Mary Kate. It was just an amazing letter to, to receive. Also, the fact that I was distantly related to the Muldoons when I got in touch with them, I hadn't met them or been in contact with them before. They were very, very helpful and that is how I managed finally to obtain the diary and personal papers of Rita Muldoon. Ken Boyle, it's been an absolute pleasure visiting you here in Docky today and thank you so, so much for being on this week's episode of Kiss My Arts. Thank you, Orla. And so there you have it, folks. That's all we've time for today. This has been Kiss My Arts, episode 83 of Leitrim Daily. A very big thanks to my guest, Ken Boyle, for taking the time out of his day to let me chat to him. Ken's book, The Murder of Dr Muldoon, can be gotten in Carrick and Shannon in both Mulvey's and The Reading Room. Also, Paul's in Mohillstock, the book. If you have trouble getting it locally, you can get it online, mercierpress.ie or eastons.ie. Amazon will have a hard copy of it soon, but they have a Kindle version already. So that's where you can get your hands on the book. Breffney will be back with you tomorrow with the sports roundup of the weekend. Good jig, good gossip, le chile, shinarish. Slánach is